And welcome back, everybody listening. This is the Stephen Talk Soccer Podcast. I am back in the booth. I'm back in the building. I'm back in the business. I'm joined by none other than a co-host that you guys have not heard from in some time. It's been a while, but he is back again. And again, I say this about every guest that come on that comes on. He will be back for more episodes. I can assure you of that. I feel like this, you know, that the natural chemistry that him and I have continues to reign true in every episode that we create. Welcome back to the podcast. Say your name. Well, what you've been up to, Julian? Say what's up. Back again, man. It's been a while, huh? It's been a long time. I'm glad to be back again. You've been revived from the dead. Yeah. You know, that he spawned somewhere else and he's kind of <laughs> back on the podcast all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> so how does it feel to be back on the Stephen Talk Soccer podcast? You know, are you honored? Are you not honored? I mean, these days I've been more of a fan than a guest. I've been, <laughs> <laughs> I've been listening to everything, you know. I've been uh, I've been on the uh, on the receiving end of the banter, maybe just listening to the banter, maybe not engaging in it. Mm-hmm. But uh, now you know, now we'll engage surely in in, in banter in this episode. But agreed, uh, agreed. yeah, man, no, it, fe- it feels good to be back for sure. And on that point of what this episode is about, because I feel like you know, obviously we kind of kind of done like a weird like half intro just now. Although you guys probably know me definitely, and Julian also as well. If you guys have heard the other episode, but before I go on, actually. Make sure to download, you know, all the episodes that you guys love of the Stephen Talk Soccer podcast. Make sure to share it as well as, you know, anyone that you know that loves football as much as we do here. Send them send them a message. Like, yo, you should listen to this. This is the best of the best. The home of elite football knowledge and the most controversial football opinions. Don't ever forget it. I'm going to keep seeing it every episode. So it's burned in your mind. But anyways, we've reached a huge milestone of 1,500. 1500, yeah, 1500 downloads, which I think is absolutely impressive. You know, it tells me, you know, just how much my heartbreak is working on, is working on how much you guys are loving this content, which I couldn't be more happy about. So yeah, make sure to go follow to subscribe. The podcast can be found anywhere you can think of. It's everywhere. So make sure you go do so even now or sometime, you know, after, after the end of the episode. Anyways, let's get straight into the episode. This episode is going to be another rescue mission. <laughs> It's a team that I think needed rescuing probably for the last year or two, and we haven't, Julian and I haven't, uh, you know, done any further detail or any further real research on them up until recently. But this episode, we will be rescuing none other than Leicester City Football Club. Now, before I go into any further detail, Julian, I'll let you take kind of take the handle here, because I know your team, you're a player, English, you are a person that keeps a close eye on the players and the team of Leicester City, and you definitely watch them very closely. So I'll give you more of a, a range in the beginning to kind of give your spiel and how you feel about them, you know, over the last four, five, six years. Well, though they're definitely a club that um, has had a few a huge fall from grace. I mean, two, three years ago, it was looking like Leicester were, you know, they were on the rise, winning the FA Cup against Chelsea. You know, barely missing out on top four. Like, they were top four, I remember, I think it was the 1920 season. They were almost the entire season. And then the last five, six game weeks, you know, they, they fell short and they ended up fifth, I think. But, you know, still getting Europa League when there's, when there's teams like City, Liverpool, you know, Arsenal weren't as good back then. But still, Spurs, Chelsea, etc. They they were they were really good. And we thought, like, okay, they won a major trophy in the FA Cup. Surely they, they continue to rise with the players they had. A lot of talented attacking players and, you know, a manager who at the time especially seemed to very fit uh, with the club. But now we see Leicester, uh, 
in in quite literally twentieth place. Uh, what nine game nine games into the prem? Yeah, nine uh, or ten games played now. In the yeah, Premier like that's season. that's not a good look at all. Uh, especially going into the World Cup. That's you know that's coming up soon. Maybe maybe they need that break. Um, but yeah, just a very enigmatic club for sure. Hundred percent. I think it's important that I give some background before we kind of really get into full detail on this episode because. If you guys don't know how these rescue missions work, we kind of look at the team, at, 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 you know, in the state that they're currently in, what the state they were in before, what they've been able to accomplish in the period that they've, you know, been in the Premier League or simply just existed in the league they play in, both in Europe and then as well as domestically. That's going to get start from the beginning. Leicester were founded in 1884. Shows you how historical and how well known this team has been. They've been around in English football for quite some time now. They play their football at the King Power Stadium. The average age of players at Leicester City is actually 27.3, which I think is something we'll touch on in a second because I feel like modern game needs you to have more younger players, especially when you're a team trying to kind of rebuild and regain that status as a big club in the league. Anyways, moving on. Um, I would also say, I mean, another thing to mention is that their manager is Brandon Rogers, who's obviously been there for some time now. Uh, he should have been sacked, in my opinion, a long time ago, but Leicester continue to persist with this guy for some unknown reason. Moving on to the trophies that Leicester has won. Julian has had alluded to some of them already, but they won the Premier League, obviously in 2015-16, that most iconic Premier League season you could say arguably ever. The fairy tale year that, you know, the one, the one in 5,000 5, odds of winning the league, which is, I think is still ridiculous to this day. They won the FA Cup against Chelsea, obviously, with Brendan Rodgers about two years ago, I believe, two or three years ago. Of course, the crazy Tillman strike, which nobody will ever forget. I mean, for Chelsea fans, as Chelsea fans, Julian and I are, are obviously Chelsea fans. We'll never forget it. And as Leicester City fans, they truly will never forget it as well. It's a big moment in their history to win England's biggest cup, uh, domestic cup trophy. Speaking of domestic cups, they also won the EFL Cup three times, which is the Carabao Cup. Or as Julian calls it, the McDonald's Cup. They won that three times. And then finally, uh, the championship, which is obviously the second division of English football, the one just underneath England, the, uh, the English Premier League, they won that seven times for context. Julian said they said they finished in 20th position. They're certainly not finished. They currently are in 20th position. They finished in, what did they finish last season? Uh, I think they were 11th or 12th. Yes, thank yeah. you. 11th, thank you. 11th or 12th. And yeah, so there we are. That, that's all the kind of background you need to kind of understand who we're talking about. If you don't know who Leicester are, I hope I gave you some more understanding. They, they are located in the East Midlands of England. So just give you an idea of where they are in the country. Let's move on to the episode now. But yeah, you were kind of saying, Julian, earlier about how, you know, watching Leicester, they're very enigmatic. I think that's probably the perfect way to explain them. There's not a better way to really explain what Leicester are, you know, and... I feel like they have a, but really they had a really good blend of experience and and talent and and potential. Nowadays, it's more like a team that's very very all over the place, all very uh, disoriented. I don't really know how else to put it. I just feel like there's there's something that's missing that's clear that whether that's mentality in players, whether that's the right profile of players. We know how good Leicester's scouting system is, obviously, and they've been able to sign some of the the most underrated players in the Premier League for some time. Chilwell, obviously, Wesley Fafana, you know, the list goes on. Um, even Pat Sindak has looked good recently. Inacho, Harvey Barnes, all these from the academy, but still. But yeah, I, I know you had something to say on that, so definitely you can go ahead. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I think Barnes was uh, in the championship, though. I don't think he's from their academy, is he? Isn't he? I swear he is. Maybe Dewsbury Hall is from their academy. I'm not sure. Him too. He's another good player that we will definitely talk yeah, about. They, they had, see, that's the thing with them. They have the right personnel, right? They have the. This is why they're, they're almost a story of how, like, having the right mentality and the right kind of 
spirit in the club can take you from, you know, 20th place to, you know, at least in the top half. Like, because quality-wise, if you look at individuals, right, they have a top 10 team in the Prem, surely. You think so? Of course. I don't think so. Of course. I can definitely name 10 teams starting 11s are better than Leicester's. I think Leicester have one of the worst. wise though. They have a lot of attacking Okay, but options. the football, a football t- team, a football game was obviously composed of many more players than just the front four or front five. That's true, that's true. But technically, you have to understand, right? Technically, players like Ndidi, you know, you know, they were, they were some Ndidi, Pereira, who's always injured. Castani is good. Justin is good. Like, those are good players, man. On paper, you would think. And Didi was, we were saying he okay, was one of the best point. CDMs in the world two, yeah, three years ago. True. He was linked with every big club in, in Europe. You could think of PSG, Chelsea, Juventus, Bayern Munich and at one point. And even like, you know, Tillemans is was, you know, Arsenal bound last summer. Well, 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 we will definitely touch on those guys because I feel like those, you, I mean, oh man, this whole episode is going to be me sighing and, and, and not really being, like even right now, I can, I'm can i at, at a loss for it. I don't really know what to say because Leicester for me are such a weird team. They really are. Supposed to finish in the top four given, you know, how well they put, like example, they had last season, I think it was, or the season, two seasons before, where they had fin- they were in the top four for basically the entirety of the season, yeah. only for the last couple of games of the season to completely derail them and bring them out, out of the top four in the last couple of games. Now, if that doesn't sum up Leicester, I don't know what that, what else or what will. They're such a very twice, unpredictable team, and it shows you that there's something consistently bad about them always bottling it. They remind me of a more... I mean, you could say more successful because they've won more recently than this team, but a more successful version of Spurs. Yeah, I know what you know what I mean? The successful given that, yes, they won the yeah. Premier League more recently. They won the FA Cup, all this stuff more recently. It's it's the best comparison I can think of. You know, they have a similar profile in the fact that they're both fan bases that, you know, appreciate great football. They want the teams to play well. They want them to be expansive, to have that sense of urgency in the South of attacking, you know, free-flowing football, which most teams want. But especially Leicester City, that's why they were able to win the league with Ranieri. And uh, Spurs, it's the same thing. Obviously, with Conte, that's changing now. They just want to focus on results and fair play to them. But with Leicester, you'd expect that with Brendan Rodgers and his Leicester team that if they don't get this was happened. Not only they're not winning trophies anymore, which I think is that thing I period's kind of over, in my opinion. Not only is that over, but the football that they're playing isn't entertaining anymore. So you have a lost loss. Not only you're not seeing any any W's, no, no silverware, terrible football on the pitch as well. Talk to me about that. How do you, how do you feel about that? As a, if you're a Leicester fan, for sure their quality has gone down. Um, I do see s- still some sparks. Obviously, you know, Madison. don't say his name. No, 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 no. no. We'll get into him, we, we say the J the JM name for later in this episode. We don't we don't mention. <laughs> yeah, don't say his name. That's yet. a special mention. Yeah, yeah. We don't say. I, his name I do see glimpses of 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 brilliance sometimes going forward. They have the pace. You know, they have pacey players, and they can be strong on the counter. A lot of times, Leicester give you the impression that they're in the game. They, 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 they're very good at that. They're very good at giving you the impression that they're in the game, especially so in the first half. So, so, but so, so, it, so, it so, 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 true. so quickly. It goes, and a good example of this is actually the Tottenham game this season. It was 6-2, final score. But that first half, Leicester were, were decent, and it felt like this was going to be a close game. Leicester were, were pressing. They were, they were getting good counterattacks. They were having good chances. But then the, the final scoreline is 6-2 which is ridiculous. They conceded four goals in the second half. They also conceded four goals in the second half against Brighton, I think, the next game. It just goes to show. There's, there's didn't, they score four, didn't they score four, four goals in, in the game entirely against Nottingham Forest the next game? In the first half? 
No, it was uh, it was three 0 against Nottingham, wasn't it? Four 0 Daka scored the fourth one, didn't he? Oh, Daka scored. That's yeah, true. yeah, yeah, yeah. So scored, this this Daka this scored. is becoming a tricky number for them. You think they're gonna lose four one this weekend? <laughs> four nothing. Who are the last to play? How am I forgetting Bournemouth. this already? Who are the last to play again no, this weekend? They, what am I saying? they are playing, playing against, uh, against. How are we forgetting this? What kind of fraudulence is it? They're playing against Crystal Palace. Wow, Palace how do we not know? Yes, yes. Yes, 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 and they could lose four nothing against Palace. That that number four, magic number four could come back to haunt them yet again. Yeah, but look, the point is, they just they collapse very quickly. They collapse very. Bergvine. Oh man, never, never <laughs> that. that's that's another very much. Like that's a characteristic of, of Leicester. So for context, ladies and gentlemen, Leicester City played Tottenham, which it seems to be a, always a very, very high scoring affair. They played Tottenham last season at the King Power Stadium late in the season. Tottenham were coming from behind in the game, correct? Yeah, they were losing. Yeah. And then uh, literally, you know, Conte looks to his bench and brings on young Stevie Bergwijn, Stevie Wonder Bergwijn. Look, I mean, sometimes he plays like he can't see, so I guess it's pretty comparable. But anyways... No, no disrespect to Bergman because Ajax have been hit or miss. We'll get to them. We'll do, we'll do another episode on Ajax completely, actually. That, that should be interesting. But anyways, back to Steven Bergvine. Comes off the bench for Leicester, for Tottenham against Leicester. Literally the last two or three minutes of the game. And Bergvine scores not once, but twice. I remember Julian and I were watching this game together. We looked at each other in shock. We're like, not, not really shocked because, we, because it's Leicester. So we expect nothing from them, really, especially in the second half. Especially in, in squeaky bum time. But it really told us everything we need to know about the character of the team. Where you can see like that on a regular basis. That's not the first time Leicester have done that. And that Bergwijn situation told me, yeah, this is the trend in the club. Forget one game, one off. No, 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 no. This happens quite frequently at Leicester City. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's because of a lack of leadership. They lost so many leaders, though. We will get to that, too. But they lost many leaders in that team. Yeah. I I feel like there's there's just a lack of identity in a way and just... Yeah, lack of leaders and halftime, you know, something, something's happening at halftime. Brendan Rodgers, I'm something's not sure happening. what's happening. By the way, by the way, we need to, that's a perfect segue. Leicester City have two nicknames. One that I give them on this podcast, as well as an actual nickname. Their nickname in football is the Foxes. But as we call them on the SDS podcast, the home of the most controversial takes, I call them No Second Half FC. Now, that name is as literal as it gets. Julian just yeah. spoke about it. They literally go into halftime telling themselves, we just played a great first 45. Mm-hmm. We don't need to turn up for the second 45. Just make sure we come out onto the pitch, look cute, and go home. Mm-hmm. It happens every single game Leicester have played this yeah. season and will continue to play them so long as they have this lack of, I don't know, tactical understanding, experience, knowledge, know-how, whatever the word you can think of. Football heritage, it's not there unless it's, I mean, it should be theoretically, but it's not been there recently, that's for sure. That's true. You would, yeah, it's funny you say that this should be there theoretically because the idea that you're playing for a club that defied the odds in, in 2015 is, uh, or they won it in 2016 technically, but like that, that should really bring a lot of, I guess... Energy. Personality and personality. Agreed. For sure. And we're not seeing that enough from them. No. no. Uh, I feel like with Leicester, you, you you made a good point earlier. And I was kind of trying to fix up my weird setup right now with my mic in my hand and not even connected to the table. But anyways, <laughs> um, uh, you made a really good point of you saying how Leicester have very good individual players, but don't find a way to play cohesively. Mm-hmm. And one thing we notice in the Premier League is when you're not playing as a unit, example, Nottingham Forest, who Leicester debattered, which is, again, I think is ironic because Nottingham Forest... Sorry, Leicester could be Nottingham Forest in their own way. Yes, they have way less of you know new recruitment and new players, but they play as such as if they're a team that don't know each other. 
Like every game is almost like everyone's always disconnected from the game plan. It's like one person's playing this way, one person's playing that way. Like Madison, actually, no, I can't say his name. Sorry, let's say anyone else but Madison. Kieran and Dewsbury Hall will be on the ball. Then you have someone like Tielemans. You have I don't know, uh, you know, Indidi, Sumari, whoever's playing, and they'll have their own vision of what the 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 next movement will be. There's a lack of playing, a lack of of system identity. Mm-hmm. I don't know that Rodgers has lost his touch, and maybe you could argue he has. I think he should be coaching a much weaker side. I feel like after what he's accomplished at Leicester, he should have left as soon as that was that happened. What do you think? He should have stayed. Do you think he should have gone? Why hasn't he been sacked yet? What is what has caused him to still be the manager of Leicester City right now? I think uh, finances are a big reason why he's still there. True. That's a very good point. Expensive to let him go, and I don't think they'd be able to get someone better currently. Nigel Pearson, the Watford man. Yeah, but I mean, if you know, I mean, you, you like him a lot. You're a big fan like of his, him. yeah. I do like Nigel Pearson. He was a former Leicester manager, anyway. He was a former yeah. Leicester manager. Bring him back. But uh, what happened to him after? Just, just get, just get, just get, uh, just get uh, Zinedine, Zinedine Zidane. <laughs> right to Leicester. <laughs> right to Leicester. <laughs> no, I think. Um, I think Brendan Rodgers, they they knew it's not feasible to sack him. It doesn't make sense right now for them. But at the same time, surely, you know, they're it's almost like they're battling relegation. So do they do they need someone new? Do they need someone fresh right now to stay up? It's it's crazy that I'm talking like this, but they are 20th right now. Are they relegation? You keep saying that, and, and you keep saying that same but... number, and you really are in shock when you say that that number. Yeah, because look, we're almost, say it one more time. Say it one more time. They're, where where, where 20th are they? Twentieth place, man. One more time. 20th, bro. That's insane. Yo, they're, you know they're at the foot of the table. You know what we said when we were doing grand predictions? We said Leicester are the type of team that could be, you know, a, a, a respectable top seven, top eight, yep. or 20th. We literally said that. We said, bro, these guys could be 20th as well. And here they are. And it wouldn't surprise us one bit, really. I mean, it would because there are many teams. Like you said, you made a good point, And I am kind of realizing my mistake throughout the episode. There are many teams in, le- in the league that are much, 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 much worse than Leicester, player for player. On paper, we, we'll yeah. say his name now because I know we, you and I, especially me, but people listening and also we all know how good this player is, how massively disrespected he's been by the England manager, which is no surprise because I think he's a, a massive fraud. But that's expected from someone like Gareth Southgate. But let's say his name now. Three, two, one, James Madison. James Madison. Baller. Baller, free kick maestro. You know what? When you watch Leicester, you can really tell he's doing everything. Go, he's so aggressive offensively. Like every everything, all of Leicester's good moments come from Madison. You know, moving the ball forward, making a good play. It's all you know. It's always Madison. He's the nucleus of everything good that Leicester do. Everything, literally everything. He's the, he's the source of all good things that Leicester fans experience and watch on a week to week basis. He is the most. Impressive player on the pitch most of the time as well. Not only for Leicester, but just in general. 100%. Even when Leicester played poorly. Player. Um, but yeah, like everything everything goes through him. They He really tries to get on the ball. They, they try to they try to make sure he's on the ball. 100%. And when you see that, you, you really have to worry for a team. Because yes, every team has the main stand-up player, like a De Bruyne on, or even a Haaland. But mainly De Bruyne, I match to you. The main playmaker, the main primary source of creativity. But when the rest of your team can't literally, they literally can't do anything else. They they literally just exist. Like I'm watching ten players with regular t-shirts and pants and jeans on, while they have one actual footballer who's capable of creating something special out of nothing. And with Leicester, it's unfortunate because 
Had they kept the players that they got rid of over the last six or seven years with the same, you know, with the new spine that they have, you could say, they'd actually be a very good team. Getting rid of the likes of, but this is a problem as well. We, and we will touch on this and kind of get into a new segment of the episode. I promise all of this is will make will start making sense as the episode goes on. It's been a bit of a shaky start. I apologize, but it will all make sense now. But with Leicester, thing is that they are a selling club. So when you're a selling club, by nature, you're always looking to get new players and flip them and sell ones that you get for low money for big money later on down the transfer window and down the line. And because Leicester continuously do that, they'll never be able to truly keep the same core players that make them very, very formidable, that have made them formidable and can make them formidable in the future. Now, I'm going to say something very controversial, but again, I keep seeing this word, but it's for a reason. I could see Leicester getting relegated within the next two or three years. It wouldn't surprise me, not at all. And, and there are many reasons why, Julian, you can tell me if you agree, you disagree. But I feel like the direction they're heading in because of just simply the lack of I think they've already hit their, they, they hit the, they hit the highest of highest peaks, man. What team's gonna do what Leicester did? I literally don't know. We're not gonna see this again for literally another hundred years. So I don't think we're gonna see that situation happen. And I think Leicester know that this is probably, you know, our honeymoon period is slowly dwindling. What do you think? I agree with you. I don't think this will be matched anytime soon, what they did in, in 2016. Um, but I, I don't think it's, um, I, I'm not sure if, if they'll get relegated just because I, now their finances are bad. Don't get me wrong; they they have the financial means Rare of things. of a relegation club right yes, now. Yes, of course. But I just think there's a lot of talent on the team. You know, but they're they, gonna sell all those guys, though. I think. Well, if that's the case, then yeah, they will go down. Yeah. But right now, as it stands, it would be really crazy to see them go down with these types of players. You know. Yes, I agree. With that. But if they sell, which they might be forced to do, then that's a different story. True. 100%. They could easily go down. But I mean, if Bournemouth, if Burnley can go down, I. Definitely think Leicester can go down. I know what you mean about that. Clear, obviously, Leicester have better players. But of course, they do. Burnley have a very strong system. Exactly. And they, you know, just barely went down. You know, they. Yeah, look, it could happen. I mean, shout out Sean because He literally said in an interview recently that had he been able to stay at Burnley for the whole season, that you know, last year, he probably would have kept them up. But I don't put it past them. I think he probably would. I'm sure he 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 has the right to say that. 100%. I'm sure he has the right to say if you, that. I mean, he did it before. He can do it again. That man has worked wonders. And speaking of Sean Dyche, we will we will be mentioning potential you know replacements for Brendan mm-hmm. Rodgers. And he would not be far amiss from the running in for that. However, when we come back from the break, we'll be talking about the key players for Leicester, the biggest losses that they've experienced in you know, players and staff and such. Recently, their weaknesses, their strengths. We'll be talking about uh, you know the likes of Kelechi Iheanacho with a question mark, basically. Bubakari Sumari with a question mark. You know, we're talking about players that should look to sign in the future. And again, their last five results and then the night and as well as their next five games and we'll really get to the thick of what you know what Leicester can do to be rescued. And then a kind of a new part of the series will be giving it a rating out of ten, like or even a I guess a grade rating. How likely are they to actually improve from what we say from this very same moment when we come back from the break? We'll be discussing all those things and more. And now back into the Rescuing Leicester City mission. As we were saying before, let's kind of get straight into the real, real nitty gritty of this episode. The good parts that people really want to hear. The key players for Leicester City. Let's, I mean, I won't even say his name again, but I guess we should for the sake of the fact that we're mentioning him. Obviously, their most important player right now, if he gets injured, for example, which is not impossible because he has he has been known for getting injuries, unfortunately, is James Madison. Obviously, the number ten throwing the darts, literally oh, string, stringing passes every you know every every which direction. Easily the most important player. Then we have Yuri Telemans, 
I'd say he's one of the definitely one of the more important. Yeah, players. he's important. You're I rate him, and I rate him highly. I rate Tillemans really, really highly. I really like that guy. But sometimes he has a mistake in his game. He does. I see it a lot. But I don't uh, think this thing. I don't think that's particularly down to the individual. I think that's a system yeah, problem. That's true. He is. I know. I know. I know. And when you play, he could like he's the type of player. If, if he was at Arsenal, he'd be really, really good. Right exactly now. because I, I the rest of the way the team plays, his yeah. weaknesses wouldn't be wouldn't be accentuated. Yeah, exactly. The, the team is that good. But exactly. Leicester, when you're when a team is bad and you play bad, you're it's doomed. Over. Yeah, exactly. You make a bad pass, you know, like it yeah. gets punished immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Next big key player for Leicester. You can again, you can tell me if you disagree, but it's an equalizer, Harvey Barnes. <laughs> Barnes is a weird player, man. Sometimes like he's the type of player you watch and you're like, he doesn't know. Who's how to better, play footy, but then Harvey just... Barnes or J- or Jared Bowen? Of course, Bowen. Boy, controversy. Bowen. I don't think that's even controversial. Nah, nah, nah. That's fraudulent Bro, to the highest Barnes order, is man. weird, man. Why are you disrespecting Harvey Barnes like that? I like Barnes. I, I like Barnes. I, I was actually one of the first to say this guy's good when he was first kind of playing with Leicester. He was coming on as a sub a little bit. He reminds me so much of Bowen, bro. I'm sorry. I keep, I keep saying that. But Bowen. But Bowen is just... I, Barnes is weird, bro. He has a weird way of playing the game. You know, like he... He's pacey though, bro. He he's fast, but like I just feel like left foot, right foot. He, he he's trigger happy. He loves to shoot. He loves to shoot. He loves to strike from distance. I won't lie to you. But I don't know. Sometimes I just feel like he gets isolated, loses the ball. Like he's fast though. Bowen's obviously way better though. Come on, man. Bowen is is different. For Bowen me, is Bowen is for me. They are very similar players. And I actually will again more controversy for the episode if Barnes was at West Ham. I think we'd see something similar, personally. But Bowen is... No, he would not match Bowen's numbers, bro. No way. I think he would. Last year, Bowen had incredible Let's numbers. Let's not forget where Bowen's coming from. Similar similar background that... that, uh, that um, That's true. What's it called? I can't say his name anymore. I can, look, I'm forgetting. That Barnes is coming from. I just Both think that... championship players, wingers, young Englishmen, yeah. full of industry, full of productivity on the ball, extremely, extremely hardworking players off the ball... You know, I, ju- I just think Bo- uh, Bowen is um, more lethal, and just when he gets it, when yeah, he gets he's in been an area, less injured. That's why. That's true. Because there's that's a true. period where Harvey Barnes was literally one of the best players. Ever. Don't do yeah, not yeah, 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 do yeah, yeah. not 100%. act like you don't remember that. Of course, he was he was scoring screamers every game. That's what I'm saying. I just think he's too inconsistent. Fair but enough. then again, that's also a function of the team. Right? Exactly. But that's my point. Whereas West Ham, by nature, are known for not being. They're literally known for being solid. That's what West Ham based their game on. They're literally called the hammers after all. How much more solid can you get than a hammer? Foxes are known for being very, very sneaky. Yeah. Very, under, <laughs> very inconspicuous. Yeah. You know, very unpredictable. As you literally said at the beginning of this episode, mm-hmm. the foxes suit the playing style and the personality of Leicester City. Yeah. Moving on to the last key player for Leicester. None other than the number nine who's been there for what feels like literally 35 years, which is nearly his age, if not his age. Jamie Vardy. The real fox. He's, he's the real fox. Jamie By the Vardy. way, he has massively fallen off. Of course, and nobody's talking about it right now. I think he's bro. He's done. I mean, he's old. You know, he's, there's not really much to left anymore. He still he can still you know run at the ball, classic Vardy style. Trying to is know, he a Premier League legend? Of course he is, no doubt about it. He's one of the best strikers to ever play in the Premier League. What? Yeah, he's top. Three, get, hold on, when you say he's one of the best, when you say one Surely. of the best, that means he's top ten, and he's not a top ten. Striker in the Premier League. Top ten? No, 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 no. We can't. Maybe do that. top twenty. Yes, 
Top 20, I agree. Top, I can't think of right now a top 10. But of course re- not, man. Realistically. But you have the classics, though. They Obviously, the front, the three that are already seen in first place right now. Yeah, top 10 is a bit of a stretch, especially depending on who you classify as a striker. Like, is Ronaldo, you know. Is yeah, CR7, like, for example. Uh, you know, probably is, it, not, is, but, is, is Mo Salah a striker? No. Is, I, is I Salah in the top 10? I'm talking about just classic nines. Like, let's talk just nine. Random number question, nines. But is Salah a top 10 uh, Premier League player of all time? Probably not. For me, it's just undoubted no. But again, that's a different composition for a different day. Vardy, bro, you can't disrespect him. No one can really say they've they've done what that he's record done. of of beating or tying whatever it was. Rude Nesta, Nesta, yeah. I absolutely love that record. It's one of my yeah. favorite things. I genuinely, I I have so much time and appreciation for for that specific feat. I think it's truly, truly remarkable what he was able to. Of course, and just genuinely, the, the fact that he won the league with Leicester. I mean, not many players can can say they've done. You know, they've had such an accomplishment like that. I just think he's a legend, bro. Even Haaland says, you know, he models a lot of his game after Jamie Vardy. And I, that's I, a lot. If Mister Inevitable is telling you that he follows, yeah, he's watching he, your highlights, that's a that. lot said, about his he, game. One hundred. They asked him some of his favorite Premier League strikers, and he said, "Yeah, Vardy." You know, I really try to play it. Like, and I and I don't. I, a lot of people are saying like that's crazy, but I don't think that's crazy at all. I think that's actually. I mean, that makes sense. If you're going to the Premier League, he's a striker you look at. In world football, he's not a striker you look at. True. Okay, he's always been domestic. He's always been like just a you know a prem player. Okay, but still. Enough, but the Premier is the best league, so of course you can look at the player who's doing well in the best league. Yeah, he's exactly. With a with a team that's not that. you know a top club by any means. So. For sure. The problem with Vardy though, I feel like is his ball, his his ability on the ball, I never really rated. No, he's never been good on the ball, but no. he's just so fast and he makes the right runs, which is what you need to score. I remember a point I was saying to people and, and I'm trying to convince myself of this, that he's better than he's a more impressive Premier League striker given his career. And yes, you could argue he is given what he accomplished instead of, you know, better than Harry Kane. Okay, yeah, I mean. that's ridiculous. Simply, But you're just talking about accomplishments, no, which for sure. you can't take anything Strictly away from Vardy. from Barty. my perspective, yeah. he's more successful. That's a fact. Yeah. But I think from a, a purely footballing ability standpoint, it's obvious that Harry Kane is the more complete footballer. That's quite clear. We see that yeah. day-to-day, even now. And I don't like either one of these guys. I'm not a fan of English number nines. Tradi- you don't like Vardy? Traditionally. I'm not, it's, not, it's not a style of game that I'm naturally gravitating towards, I'll be honest. And no, I don't really like Jamie Vardy. But I thought you said you liked him. You said, you know, you really respect Leicester and the fact that Vardy did this. He's goaded everything. Yeah, that was a different... That was a different <laughs> <laughs> nah, bro, I remember you were saying you liked yeah, Vardy, yeah, bro. Yeah, that was many years ago. Was, I, was, I, was even, I would not <laughs> oh, say that. Man. I'm not a fan of these English strikers, bro. The only mm-hmm. English striker I like is two of them. And one of them shouldn't even be playing for England. He, he, he should really be playing for my country, Jamaica. <laughs> okay, and I know you know what you're going to say. You know who that is. It's supposed to be Ivan, none other than Ivan Bloodclot Tony. Uh, you know what I'm saying? But anyways, that's the last player. That's a big, you know, big key player for Leicester. Is there anyone, any other key player you think I'm missing? You want to mention, say his name. So you can well, say his name. Ndidi is technically... Wilfred Ndidi. Because, uh, you know, Ndidi was supposed to be their, their anchor. Right? Their, their rock. But uh, now he's had a huge downfall. So... Um, I don't know what they're going to do with him. I don't know if they keep him. I don't know if they replace him. Surely you sell this bloke, please. Because he's been really bad. And we were saying he was one of the best CDMs in the world a few years ago. Yes, he was. He was rivaling Kante all of a sudden, which, again, is impressive. But Kante, just like Ndidi, has had a huge fall from Greece. You yeah, know, and not this bad, though. 
Who, Kante's? Because Kante's... I think it's worse. I think it's worse. I genuinely think it's worse. Indeed, he's he's making the mistakes like I've never seen. I'd rather have a player make mistakes on the pitch and be available than... than, Actually, no, I wouldn't. I prefer to be Kante and not... not, uh, (laughs) I just think Kante's still very respected. I I feel like... He's useless now, though. All he does is live on the physio bed now, Kante. It's pointless. But I agree with you. On his day, and when he's playing, he's much better than Indeed. That's a fact. And indeed, he's ever been really. But yeah, he's another key player you could say. Now, on moving on to the big loss for for Leicester City, the player that we know for sure that by them losing this guy, it's been a huge, huge, massive loss. I'd say two players actually. First of which is uh, the the goalkeeper who's literally been their rock for so long now. I was there when they won the league. He, what more can we say of Casper Schmeichel? He was literally their leader, their 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 talisman. Of, you know, I guess in goalkeeping standards, just a truly remarkable human being let alone a player that just really personified everything great about Leicester and to lose him I think has been and especially to replace him with Julian's favorite keeper in the Premier League at least FPL wise Danny Ward (laughs) yeah I think Schmeichel I I don't know if Leicester were prepared to lose him Uh, and that's why they failed to replace him properly it also could have obviously been financial but I think, I think it's partly financial as well, and personal, and a, and, a, and a lack of interest. I think I think he was getting tired of conceding the goals that he was conceding. You know, I was going to say Schmeichel is is that keeper that I know as the keeper that never believed he he conceded. Every time he conceded, he was he couldn't believe it. He was shocked. It know? kills me every time. You, if you, if you guys have never seen a compilation, you have to watch that. Watch Leicester concede countless goals, and you'll see Schmeichel has the same reaction, even when it's complete. Like it doesn't make any sense. Leicester will get cut open like like a hot knife do butter. They get cut open, you know, stripped to shreds. And Peter Schmeichel, Peter Casper Schmeichel, will be looking at his defense like, "What just happened? Yeah, this yeah, is a yeah. travesty. How do we just concede?" It's like, mate, you got cut open by Manchester City. It's okay. <laughs> like yeah, you're gonna exactly. get, you're yeah, gonna yeah, concede yeah. goals, man. It's 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 part of the game. Yeah. And he's like, "What's going on?" Yeah, and it's like, mate, like you realize that you're playing for Leicester City, bruv. You've never been known for having good defenders. Let's be real. Your best defender used to play for Chelsea at one point, and his name is Robert Huth. If you know, you know. Yeah, I, and he was look. He was their captain as well, so clearly a big loss. Yes, huge in the dressing room, man. Especially for the new players coming in, they want to learn from him. And I think it's part of the reason why Wesley Fofana left so easily too, because there's nobody to hold him back and say, "Stay at Leicester, stay at Leicester, mm-hmm. stay at Leicester." Well, by the way, it's a great, so a great segue from you, Stephen, because my next big big loss for Leicester for me is. Vesti Fafana. Yes, I know this sign of replacement in Valtfesh, and I think he will be a good player for Leicester. However, I do genuinely believe, I mean, that's not really true, because Fafana, is, again, has been injured literally once every three or four months is what it feels like now. Another stupid injury against another Italian team. Seemed to, Chelsea seem to be cursed that way. Play Italian clubs and you get injured, <laughs> like Joe last season. Yeah. Anyways, Fafana leaving Leicester is a big loss. I feel, like it's, I feel like it's a huge loss. So much potential. It was really a rock at left for Leicester. Like, he was their, like, true, like, brick wall. I kind of felt bad as a Chelsea fan taking their arguably their second best player, their tied with their best player with James Madison. I was like, this is kind of disrespectful to take their most like you know accomplished and 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 uh, technical and, and gifted defender. Yeah, you know, and that it's it makes you feel bad, especially considering that they're not even be, they're not even able to spend that money on more players. They have to spend it on paying debt and, mm-hmm. stuff. and trying to cover up all the cracks. That's why they, they had to sell for Fauna, like. I mean, ideally, and he wanted to leave too, but yeah, he did want to leave. Fofana loves Chelsea, but mm-hmm. you could, you knew Leicester didn't really have a hold on a lot of their players with, with their financial troubles. But I, I do think that Vut Fais is is a good uh, start for you know, kind of like a rebuilding because obviously you know 
it hasn't been that great because obviously Leicester's still been conceding a lot of, of goals. But he's one player. When he's one player, and you know, there's still plenty, plenty of uh, cracks in the yeah, team. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But when I watch him play, I, I like his style. I, I I feel like there's a good defender there. He's aggressive, but he's also good on the ball. You know, I've seen him when he has the ball, he can move in, a, he can move in, drive in a little bit with it. And he's Belgian, and Belgian defenders tend to be like that. So. I think he's a good start. So that's actually, if anything, of, of, out of all this darkness, he's, you know, a slight kind of light, I guess, a glimpse of, of, of hope. Speaking want. of glimpses of hope, one thing for Leicester fans that you guys are Leicester fans that are listening, or just people who are Leicester sympathizers, we must not forget. We, we mustn't forget, first of all, it's been raining, yeah? And secondly, <laughs> we mustn't forget that Leicester have a very good recruiting system. They've always had it. It's been one of the most key, essential, you know, piece of their puzzle that's why they've been so good and so capable of competing with the best clubs in the Premier League and even beyond that even in Europe which we'll talk about in a bit as well but the point is, is that with Leicester we know that they're going to find a way to replace players they sell fairly well as long as they have the finances they'll get good players like they, they don't really make the Dennis Pratt signing often they're not going to make a mistake of signing like a I don't know let me get another example uh, signing um, who's a bad Leicester signing that they made Adam Ola Lookman on loan which oh, just yeah it never really it never really materialized when he came there there's more examples of that too I can't really think of any because Leicester don't sign Bad players, don't be the same players that really suit their team. Thank you. Send that's a good come on, Julian, man. You're on fire tonight. <laughs> Send just under as well. Another player that Leicester truly did not need and thought he would have fit the bill. And he wasn't terrible there, but clearly Under's loving his life in Marseille, and I'm very happy for him, but he's actually a pretty good player. Good. Regardless. Um, the next thing I want to talk about now is what, in addition to Leicester's lack of ability and lack of mentality and ability to keep clean sheets, what makes them so bad? What are their biggest weaknesses? What, why do they suffer so much? We need to suffer. Why do they suffer so much in football, in, in, in matches? The first reason, again, Julie, you can speak on each of these once I mentioned them. The first one is protecting leads. The second one is defending set pieces. And the third one is, again, one you really shouldn't be making at the highest level, especially as a team like Leicester, which is in individual mistakes and individual areas that lead to goals. Walk me through each of one of those three, uh, you know, elements that make them so, um, what's it called? It's just difficult for the, make it difficult for themselves. I think the first one, protecting leads is obviously the whole, you know, the whole basis of of why there's no no second half FC, but I, I, this one's a bit of a difficult one to really understand because the statistics will show you that they have they have they have lost the most games from winning positions in the second half. So really, that as as someone who can who's not in the dressing room and who doesn't see the halftime talks. The only thing you could say is, well, clearly in the second half, they're losing motivation. Do they think that they just get complacent, right? Oh, well, we already played well. We have control of the game. And then in the prem, it hits you hard. But at what point does, does it stop being complacency and just being stupidity? Because this happened too many exactly. times. Though. I know. Because you think, okay, you go through a phase where this happens and you fix it. But this has been actually happening for years with Leicester. So I, I don't know. I really don't know. Could it be... For, you, can, you can blame the manager in the sense that one, perhaps... His halftime kind of, you know, his halftime philosophies are are not as they're not maybe galvanizing the players enough, because you know a manager like Conte, you know, when the players go in at halftime, they go out with the fear of God in in them in the second half. But that's one thing. Another thing is Rogers is maybe um, is in a way stubbornness to maybe punish the team for these kinds of things. Because too often we see Rogers. Oh, okay. Well, I'll still play Barnes this game. You know, 
obviously Madison is Madison. He'll always be good. But like Ian Acho's still on the bench. You know, why don't why why don't you shift it around a little bit? And I just feel like he doesn't do that enough. You know, he's not as it's not to say that he doesn't rotate, but I, I don't feel yeah, like he's he, not tactically he's not tactically flexible. Yeah, and I just don't think that he shows his you know, his 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 ugly side a little bit, you know, to the players. It's like I won't accept going into the second half and losing. I won't accept it. Yeah, he just seems too he's he's too passive. He's such a yeah. walk walk all over me type of manager. And again, someone who's watched Brendan Rodgers a lot when he was at Liverpool, that was one of my favorite teams to ever watch in the Premier League, if you guys know me. I've said that many times on this podcast, so it's probably common knowledge. But that Brendan Rodgers team for me, just that Liverpool team rather, similar to Leicester with all the quality, all the talent that they had, but very similar things that you mentioned. I, I remember one thing for sure, that that Liverpool team did concede a lot of goals, unfortunately, and scored a lot of goals as well. They had some great players. But not only that, but I remember seeing a very common trend with, with Rodgers' team, which he was very stubborn in playing, you know, on the players that he felt like were good enough to play the game, to play in matches he, you know, he coached. And he didn't realize that rotation and, and allowing players to kind of learn from their mistakes by not being played and having to understand that, you know, you're going to play, if you're not playing well today, you're not going to get picked the next game. It's that simple. A lot of the lesser players can have, can drop stinkers, can drop two, three, four, fives out of 10 and still manage to pick up, you know, the jersey and, and, and have that confidence that they're, they're going to play next week, no matter what. You can't have that as your philosophy as a manager. Your club's going to fail inevitably. And that's what Lesser have been slowly doing, you know, which leads, leads me on to my next point, which you'll be able to, also touch on which is defending set pieces my guy Leicester City absolutely suck at defending set. it's yeah, really it's really really really, really bad no, like really really it's, bad it's bad to the point where you you it's hard to even believe that a that a team in the prem can just fail to defend a set but they don't even mark a man they just stand in a box and look at each other and then the ball goes in and I'm like did you not just realize that the, the, a corner kick just came or even a it set piece be a good corner kick, it could just be a random average yeah it's a flat one and it's just like it should really be cleared by the defender or even the the, you know the first defender by the near post or the keeper could pick up the ball but let's be honest you don't have a commanding keeper anymore so he's not going to come out of his net to win that ball that's for sure and secondly you let weak deliveries beat you so the good ones are definitely going to beat you no it's crazy because corners should not be a source of goals yeah like you should be defending corners like to me Whenever, even when I play in, in in my lower, much lower level, I always whenever there's a corner, I just know like this is probably going to be nothing. Like the truth about corners statistically is that not many of them lead to goals. That's yes. just how it is. So true. But with Leicester, it's the reverse. And this is West Ham United, and nearly every corner looks like yeah, a goal. Yeah, sure. They had they had a huge phase. Although now they're they're not really mm-hmm. that set piece kind of specialist team anymore. Thank the Lord. No more Thomas Sochek nonsense. Yeah, but. Um, no, it's just crazy because every time Leicester concede a corner, you actually believe the statistics and the odds are in, are in favor of them conceding. Yes. It should not be happening. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And finally, individual mistakes. Now, what we're going to explain now, and I hope all of this will make sense, is that it comes to a certain point in football or, you know, once the team is failing in many of the elements of their game, but this is almost natural. So individual mistakes is much more of like a collateral, collateral of more collateral. It's not really a separate individual problem, but even when you're playing well, it happens. No, it's more like a product of you play very poorly most matches, and therefore this is natural and only, you know, uh, only organically going to happen. Leicester always have these moments in games. I see it with the big clubs too. Well, I think it just happens to Leicester. 
But it always happens where they just kind of just shoot themselves in the foot. They make a terrible bad back pass or an under hit, you know, pass in the midfield, which gets intercepted in a through ball and then they, they concede. Or, you know, I don't know, like they miss the header that they should be winning aerially and it falls to the wrong player. And then boom, it's a one-on-one for, you know, I don't know, Jared Bowen or whatever. And then they concede a goal right away. And these things are happening are things that happen not strictly, but often because of a lack of confidence, a lack of belief in each other, a lack of understanding in the system, a lack of understanding of each other's movement. Sometimes it's simply because, you know, the team just, you know, you can be in a bad run of form that happens in football, but when it sticks with you for so long, you start thinking, you start thinking to yourself, this is no longer just about, you know, a terrible run of, of fixtures or just difficult opposition. You just suck. It's that simple. 100%. And, um, I think a lot of that, once again, has to do with lack of leadership, uh, confidence issues, and just... Even the style of play to me is weird. The way Leicester play does not make any sense to me. And I mean that from even before when, when, when Rodgers Leicester was working and things were looking well. I was very, very confused. I didn't really understand what the objective was. Mm-hmm. And I know in football, that shouldn't always be the answer, the question you should ha- you should be looking for an answer to. But when I watch City, I know what I'm expecting. When I watch Liverpool, I know what I'm expecting. When I watch Arsenal, I know what I'm... Again, these are the big clubs in Premier League, but I, I guess I can compare them because Leicester were once considered one of these guys. Yeah. When I watch Spurs with Conte, I know what I'm going to get. Now with my new, you know, Harry Potter's father, Graham, with Graham Potter Chelsea, I know what to expect. Arsenal, of course, like I said, the same same thing. City, all of them, even United to a certain extent. But United are, are such a weird, a weird club because they want to play attacking football, but they're a counterattacking team. But once just they want to be possession based because ten hog. But anyways, even them, you kind of have an idea. You know what to expect for them. With Leicester, I really don't know. It's give it to James Madison and pray for the best. Yeah. That's that's how. That's not football. Yeah, that's. True. This isn't this isn't a, a a team that's supposed to be that's you know flirting with, with relegation week in week out. This isn't a team that's like hoping Ivan Tony's gonna lead us to glory or well, hoping Dominic Solanke's gonna bag. Obviously, Vardy making runs, the right runs, right, and scoring off those. No, that doesn't exist big, anymore. Yeah, obviously Vardy's not the same player, and uh, you know, and they don't really want to use Ianacho properly. If he gets used, he gets taken off. Great segue. Great segue. Kalaji Ianacho? Question mark. Should he leave Leicester? What is he still doing there? What's the point of him still being at the club? What purpose is he serving? Only the Lord knows. Because this is just ridiculous at this point. The guy has so many good qualities. He's, he's he has so many strengths to this game, and I. I feel like they're lacking someone who just up top can be a problem. Madison is not a striker, okay? But he's yeah, he's trying to do everything. He's trying to score. You have to understand, if you look at Madison's XG, it's actually not very high. He outperforms his XG, which means that he scores goals that he should not be scoring statistically. Yeah. But that's not good for the team. You need someone getting a lot of chances. You need someone who maybe like Gabi Jesus, perhaps, who actually underperforms his XG, yet... No one's saying Gabi Jesus is bad. He's scoring goals. You know what I mean? That just goes to show that the team is creating chances for him. Or even he creates chances for himself. But to me, Iheanacho, I find it a shame how this whole Leicester... He's been there for two, three years now. More than that. I mean, what is he doing? Like, what are they... Why Why don't... Why does It's a failed move. It's a failed move. It's, it it's a, a failed, failed move. move. Because, let's be honest, he left Manchester City a big club, obviously. Expecting to go to Leicester and be their number nine, replacing Jamie Vardy, who is obviously being phased out. Yes, that is true. But we know how reluctant uh, Rodgers is to change from a lineup that he thinks is working, even when it's not. That's just how naive he is. 
uh, which is stupid because he's been coaching for years. But regardless, Ian Atcher going to, to Leicester City, I thought was going to be a very good move for him. And I was actually really happy for him. I said, this might be the time he finally finds his home and is able to be the number nine in the Premier League that big clubs will want again once he's made his name at Leicester. Never happened. He has excellent, excellent chemistry with someone like James Madison. We've seen whenever they play together, there's a really good connection between us. They really understand each other's game. And it's really nice to see. It's finally some Leicester football that's more than just giving it to one guy and hoping that he does a job. Um, with Inacho as well, his skill set is really unique. He's a very, very special and, and very, very, um, specific type of player. Not one you see in a weekly basis. He has, you know, that Nigerian speed, as mm-hmm. you can call it, which is classic of Nigerian strikers. They're often very, very quick and, and durable. Like he is, you know, he has his finishing ability is second to none. It's one of the best I've seen, especially on the left foot, which we know is dangerous. Left footed strikers are always, you know, they come by very, very few and far between and are that good, as good as he is. You think of someone like Alex- Alexander Sorloth, for example, for, uh, what's his name, Sociedad, and he's actually pretty good. But again, another player that's, you know, left-footed striker, big man, playing in a club or not really getting the most opportunities. He is now at Sociedad, and I'm thinking at a natural, Mike, could you have replaced Isak at Sociedad, for example, just now, now that he's at Newcastle? But the real thing is now he has to leave Leicester, surely, Julian. Surely he has to go to a club where he knows he's going to really, really get the opportunity. Like, I don't know, go to like a, if that's, let's say Brentford sell Ivan Tony, that's who you get, that's who you get your replacement at. That's what I, if I'm Brentford, that's what I'm doing. Even Brighton. Wow. Wow. Even Everton, actually. Oh, he would yeah, cook at yeah, Everton. Yeah, yeah. They need, I mean, now they have Mopay, but like... Mopay! Nearly Mopay! Yeah. Better than Rondon. Is he? Better than Rondon. No. No, no, no. no. He, I think Rondon's a legend. No, 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 no. Oh, my days. No, man. No, no. Listen, listen. Just like Taremi for Porto, Rondon's a legend of the game. For uh, bro, I'll never forget this one, bro. I'll never forget, bro. There's a, I don't know if you guys remember this game, but there's a moment last season where Rondon had come off the bench for Everton to kind of make an impact. Everton were losing in the match. I forget which team they're playing against. I think it was Palace. At home. And they were losing. And Rondon came on, yeah? And he got sent off literally within like his opening five or six minutes of his, of his you know, time on the pitch. <laughs> and it was so like anticlimactic and just almost like forgettable that the Everton fans didn't even realize he got sent off. <laughs> and he crazy. felt so guilty and so bad because he obviously had known that he came on, he was asked to come on to score. And what does he do? He literally does a reckless, reckless, reckless ass tackle and literally in four or five. Third. In the offensive third, to be more specific. Not like he was doing it in the last stitch, like, you know, like a kill him, like a type of Valverde and, uh, and Maratino. Was that who it was? Yeah, yeah and Marata, you know, in the Madrid versus Atletico game. You guys know, you know. But it was not one of those situations. It was actually just a regular, you know, challenge that could have been made, you know, a much more soft way. He chose to go like full throttle rugby style, take out the player, get sent off. Everton fans don't even bother booing him or anything. They just look at him and start laughing, really. It was comical. And he puts his hand behind his back, you know, and, and has like in the prayer stance, like in prayer form, where you put your hands together. And he was doing that and walking around the pitch because he came from the far side when it happened. And he put his hands behind his back and behind his head and kind of said, sorry, Everton fans. I'm so sorry that I didn't, you know, that I never like fully, you know, realized like my potential on the pitch and, and, and took advantage of the fact that I'm on the field to score a goal. And now all of a sudden, you know, everything just went down to 10 men and the game was over, which is what Julian is just imitating, which you guys didn't see, but that's what he was doing just now. Classic now, really quickly, before we move on, we will, we will move on very, very quickly to, to the players last I should sign. Bubakari Sumare. Uh, he's not been the player that they need, or the, the player that they want him to be. He was supposed to be much better than we thought, but it's that every time he plays, there's not really much going on. I mean, he comes on as a sub, uh, he doesn't really do much. If he starts the game, Leicester 
or get exposed. I'm not really sure. I feel like sometimes Rodgers tries to play like almost like a 4-1. And then Sumari is that one. Mm-hmm. On yeah, his it own. doesn't work like that. Nope. I feel like he gets exposed. I don't know. I, I, I Especially with the, the lack of... One thing I don't like about Leicester, especially with Samara will suffer from, because at Lille, he had so much guarantee that the wingers would cover their spaces defensively. Harvey Barnes is not a defensive winger. He's no, not. not at all. He lo- he not wants to play all. as a secondary striker next to Vardy. That's Truly, not, if you yeah. if you could if he could he'd really say let me play as a, as a as like a you know an inverted winger type mm-hmm. of you know winger that comes off the you know off the left wing and wants to play almost as a, as a number nine with the striker, yeah. but have the freedom to go wide. He doesn't want to come back. And then on the right side they play James Madison. And as much as I love Madison, I think Madison is a fantastic player. And I I have a I have a thing for players that are luxury players. I don't know why, but they're just my favorite players to watch because aesthetically they're brilliant. But unfortunately with Madison, he also doesn't have that much defensive bones in his body. Let's be real. So when he plays in the right mid position, which is often where he is on the right hand side, coming out the right hand side, he's not covering the spaces again in behind them at the fullback then has to cover. So what does that mean? Is Sumari has to do the job of three or four players in one position, which inevitably means they're gonna suffer because he can't do that. His name is not, uh, you know, he's not uh, a prime. Who's a good example? A prime DM that could literally do all of that. I can't think of one. Kante. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. That's a perfect example. He's not prime Kante, where literally every blade of grass would be covered. All you need to do is just exist, get the ball from Kante, and you guys can go on and score. Yeah. Sumari is, you know, his his uh, skill set and his game and his and his qualities are very, very, there's many of them. He is, he's quite a gifted player. I remember seeing him at Lille and was very, very impressed with him. I could tell why, you know, Leicester wanted him. And as a Chelsea fan, I was actually quite jealous. I said, this guy has the physical attributes. He has the technical attributes. He has the mental attributes. Coming from a league where it's not really the greatest Uber Eats, you know, Foodora, DoorDash, you know, Postmates, whatever, you know, Lyft, whatever you want to call it, uh, FC Club or whatever you want to call it, the league of the league full of uh, food delivery. But uh, regardless, he was very good at at, uh, at, Lille, at Lille and he stood out to me for sure. I thought that Leicester, he'd do the same thing. He's not been able to. And it's unfortunate because I think he will, if he leaves Leicester, he goes English. If he leaves Leicester, we'll see the best of him going forward for sure. Anything else you want to add on Bubakari, yeah, Sumari? Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. I, just, I think that he's almost like, basically, what Sheikh Dukuri is doing at Crystal Palace. He's so good. Is what, the, what Sumari, I thought Sumari would be. Mind you, but, Sheikh Dukuri is being coached by one of the greatest players to play in that position. And Rodgers, again, no disrespect because I absolutely love them with Suarez and and Sterling and Sturridge and Coutinho and Stewart Downing and Dirk Coit. If you know, you know, classic Liverpool. But, I mean, let's be honest here, man. Rodgers is not a player that was saying, yo, guys, I played with the likes of, you know, Pirlo and Zinedine Zidane. I was playing a Platini back in the day. David Trezeguet and I are best friends. No, my guy. Vieira, however, I don't know if he played. Actually, he did play with a lot of those guys. I don't know why. That's a really good, really good comparison. But the point is, the point is, is that this Tomari guy in this Leicester team, as Julian rightfully mentioned, you know, it it is clear he's he's being pulled to to, to threads, pulled to you know to bear to bear minimum to nothing almost every game. It's kind of sad to see that he's such a talented player. But we will move on because you know there's only one thing to mention. The last two things to mention. The transfer window for Leicester City. Who have Leicester City signed this past summer? 
Well, they've only signed one player because, as Julian mentioned earlier, financially they have a lot of debt to recover, which means that they obviously can't spend any money unless they want to be like Barca and pull at least 35 levers in order to activate some sort of, you know, economic safety, which, I mean, levers are not a good thing to activate from my financial knowledge from what I've read recently. But regardless, the only women transfer window activity we saw from Leicester was them signing Wout Feisch for 15 M's from Reims in Ligue 1. He was a very good defender there. He actually he stood out very much where Leicester wanted him. They knew he was somewhat quality to replace Vesley Favana, another player that came from Ligue 1 as well. You can see the trend. Regardless, that was the only real transfer activity that we saw from Leicester, which was shocking because they literally went the entire transfer window without making any signings until literally the last two or three days yeah, to sign the centre-back. It was an emergency signing. And what is it, Martin Braithwaite to, to Barca? Pretty much. I mean, they're, they're, they've done the least business in terms of getting players in from all the clubs in, in the Prem, maybe except for Bournemouth. Maybe. No, Bournemouth made some signings. Tavernier and, and, okay, some, yeah. and Neto from from, uh, from Barca. Yeah, yeah, so that means that yeah, Leicester were the, were the worst team in the transfer window. And oftentimes, it's a trend that the, the teams that do the the, the worst the least in, amount of in, business in the, yeah and mm. the transfer no they tend to struggle against the other teams so true a few transfers can really take your team you know up a, up a level yes that's just the way it is when everyone's getting better and you're not getting new players fresh fresh faces it's you, you tend to kind of uh, you know get left behind but uh yeah Wood Feist the only good the only signing that they made uh, shocking how do you make one signing in 2022 yeah. okay i still can't fathom that how they made only just the one that is crazy to me yeah but you know i said it before easy is a good start you know that's a he player is. you start and you and you get more players to build I, however i don't see leicester keeping hold of, of their best players anymore i don't think that 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 grip of that 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 allure they used to have of saying oh you know come to leicester come, leicester, come stay for yeah. us come play for us I don't think it's the same the way it used to be. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I doubt. I don't have that feeling that they're going to be like, oh, yeah, Leicester's my club. Like, I want to be here. don't think it's the same. Mm-hmm. Moving on to more interesting stats, I guess. The top goal scorer for Leicester is James Madison with five. And the top assistant for Leicester is Jamie Vardy, who's barely played. But I guess that's impressive with five as well. But now on to the other part of the, the, you know, the transfer window side of things. Players that Leicester City should look to sign in the future. Now, again, all of this is very, 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 very contingent on context because Leicester City may, may actually truly be relegation fodder this season. Genuinely, it would not surprise me to see them languishing somewhere around the, from 16th to 20th all season long. It really wouldn't. Even in January, which I still don't think they're, they're going to make a signing, Jen. I still think they're going to be naive and, and kind of this, what's called oblivious, or whatever the word is, and just ignore and, and neglect the, the transfer window. But we, Julian and I have come up with a list of players that we think could potentially either go there on loan or simply improve them in certain areas that we know that they need to improve upon and do something you know worthwhile and useful in the meantime. Starting off at centre-back, Giving us example, I mean, he does play fairly often for this, his new team he's on loan at, which is, his name is Eric Bertrand Bailly. I mean, he is Mr. Injury Prone, as Julian always used to mock him about being in a stretcher every time he plays a football match. However, when he's fit, he's quite a very competent and solid defender. He will give you a 7 out of 10 every game he plays. Excellent aerially and extremely, extremely, extremely front-footed defender. Doesn't hesitate to go in for a tackle. Loves to go win the ball you know, right when he sees it, which is classic by. He was brilliant at Villarreal and was brilliant at Hetafe. Fell off at United, but his career seems to be on up again at Marseille. Yeah, I agree with that. I actually like Bailly as much as I make fun of him. I find him to be a very aware defender and yes. some of the most crunching tackles are I come from Bailly. And I, I kind of like that as, as someone who doesn't really 
as a player, right? I, I don't really engage in these kind, these types of tackles. That's not really my game. Mm. But when I see Bayi go in for a tackle like that, I I say, wow, you know, I don't want to be the the on the receiving player. end. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be in a tackle like that. He he makes you really, you know, you know, he he asserts his presence, and he's just aware. Um, he would be, he would have been a good signing for them, but obviously, you know, injury prone, and he probably just wanted to go back to France, which which makes sense. You know, of course, it's home. Yeah. I mean, he's Ivorian, but yes, he definitely has many oh, yeah, French, French links. That's true. He's, he plays for Ivory Coast. Yeah, that's not wrong. But what, didn't he come from Saint-Étienne? I think he might have. Or some team in France. Yeah, yeah. it might have been Saint-Étienne. Yeah. That's, that's good ball knowledge, if that's right. We'll, we'll fact-check that after. Yeah. But uh, the next French defender, I guess, is Dan, and Dan Axel Zagadou from Borussia Dortmund. Now, I'll be honest. I don't really think a Dortmund player is going to want to go to Leicester City. So this is more of a shot in the dark because I don't think Zagadou... I mean, he's not played that much this season for Dortmund. He's you know been benched by Schlotterbeck, who's a great player. Mats Hummels and Nikla Zula. So it's unlikely he's going to get you know any real love at... Uh, at What's it called? At... Dortmund, but if you look at the trick, the history of you know recent history would tell you this. They got rid of Akanji. They got rid of Abdul. Di- they had Abdul Diallo. No, that was PSG. Where did Abdul, where did Diallo come from? Before he went to PSG, I swear he was Dortmund. Yeah, yeah, he was at Dortmund. Yeah, we'll check that. Out. I'll check that right now. Abdul Diallo. I'm almost certain of that. Diallo. They also got rid of uh, another one of the defenders as well recently. Dortmund. Um, let's confirm this. He oh, right. played for Dortmund. Yeah, I knew he did for 28 games. But yeah, he played for Dortmund. I, I remember that. I, I was almost certain of that. But yeah, so, you know, they got rid of Diallo. There is a history of them selling their centre-backs. You know, there's something they do a yeah. lot of. They get rid of the centre-backs often, Dortmund. I don't know why, because the defence often sucks as well. So they need defenders. But they get they like selling their young centre-backs. Zagadou could be the next in line. You know, I think he's, again, a very, very talented Full of promise, young French defender. And if you know anything about French defenders, they are literally the holy grail of defending in modern football. There's a million of them everywhere. And again, he would be another one that would really fit the bill at Leicester. Just another one to pair up with another Ligue 1, you know, defender in in Vautbeich as well as Julian mentioned earlier. So I think he'd be a perfect signing for them. Same thing with Evan Endika from, I believe he plays for Frankfurt. Please do not. I hope I'm not wrong about that. The Frankfurt defender, even the one that plays for Nottingham Forest, Niakate, the one that's not going to play anymore now. They have a million defenders, Nottingham yeah. Forest. But Niakate is a good defender too. You got Musa Niakate, he can definitely go there. It was excellent in the, in the Bundesliga last season as well. Another player that could be looked at, Mbamba from the, from uh, Club Bruges, a very, very, very good defender. Shout out Mark Goldbridge. We know how much you love Mbamba. Noah Mbamba, very good defender. And then finally, another Belgian, which I think would really suit Leicester because they love signing Belgian players, Arthur Teot. He played for, he plays for Bologna. He also came from Ligue 1 as well. Very, very, very technical, technically uh, astute defender. If you guys haven't watched him, you should see him. He's a very, very, very com- uh, composed, uh, you know, young defender with experience and ability beyond his age. Not really something you see from, you know, young players of, of, you know, his playing style. Often they have to be kind of broken in and learn how to, you know, defend properly with real mistakes and errors, but his game is very error free. So another good defender Leicester could look at to bolster that back line, which needs bolstering. Let's, let's talk about the defense at Leicester. We never really talk about them extensively or not really specifically extensively, but the likes of Johnny Evans, the likes of, Chalar Suyunchu, the likes of Yannick Vestergaard, the likes of of um, Daniel. Oh, 
this is gonna get sweet. Daniel the Fraud Amarte. <laughs> oh Lord Amarte, please stop playing football, doggy. Please, I beg you, stop playing the sport, dog. Please, it's hurting my eyes, man. Daniel Fraud Amarte, bro. I mean, if you got about people like Nampali's Mendy, they have all this club. Oh my lord, Leicester, man. But Mendy's more of a. A midfielder, I know, but I'm just thinking about players that they have somewhere deep in the yeah, archives that they yeah. never use or touch. And if they touch a pitch, you know it's a long day for Leicester. Their team long is day. it's been stretched it's been stretched thin if they're using these guys on the pitch on a on a consistent. You know, I'm 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 worried. Anyways, man, I said my piece on on the defense of Leicester. Jeez, go ahead, Julian. Well, I was just gonna say, I mean, a lot of those names would would benefit them, and I was even I was even thinking some players like, you know. I don't know, someone like Anderson from Crystal Palace, if they could lure him away. You know, because look, a team like Newcastle is getting a player like Botman. You know, Leicester are supposed to be in the category because Newcastle have revived themselves. You know, we've never done a rescue Newcastle. They've just rescued themselves. (laughs) That's a great point. Yes, they they have rescued themselves. And they're trying to compete for a European spot. Well, Leicester are in a position where they, you know, they'd like to stay competing for European spots. They need, you know, top signings like that. Anderson from Crystal Palace would have been good. Even Kilman from Wolves, if if they if they yes. gave him a, a good deal. shout, good yeah. shout, good but shout. They don't seem to have that kind of like appeal or, or that. Or of course that. they don't, man. They've lost it. That's, Finishing outside the top four, back to back, bro. I'm telling you, they ruined people's perception of them, especially last season's terrible finish and the fact that they've gotten worse since last season. Yeah, and it seems to be once again a sinking ship. So not many players want to, you know. I mean, Cody went Part to a, Connor Cody and James Tarkovsky went to a sinking ship. Well, Cody so. is Evertonian. He's, he's from well, he's from he's Liverpool, Liverpool boy, but yeah, he does. Yeah. I mean, he's from Merseyside, so yeah, yeah. it was an easy switch for him. And James Tarkovsky, Tarkovsky, he's not. He's gonna leave Burnley to go join join yeah. up with Frank Lampard. See, but that's another easy, side. easy that season. Good Tarkovsky. Of course, of Everton course. Made, honestly, Everton had better business than Leicester, which is crazy to think. You know, but they, they have some money that we never. I was like Bill Kenwright, bro. They'd be blowing some cash out there at Everton. Yeah. I don't know what they kind of bread they're getting. Like imagine that they got Onana. Great player, that's, that great player. Even Ruben Vinagre, who never plays, is another astute signing. Quietly, he may be useful. Mikalenko has been decent for them. I'm not, I'm not talking about everything, yeah, but yeah, so, just uh, something you think Leicester could do the same thing of some sort. They should be, but they just they they keep they seem their clout seems to be going down. So agreed, man. 100 percent agreed. In a position to get any top players, and then we move on to the goalkeeping position for Leicester, which is. Two suggestions, really quickly. Thomas Strakosha, who, again, was a signing that Brentford had made from Lazio. Great goalkeeper. Absolutely, absolutely well, you know, drilled and well-prepared professional. Really played, you know, many years in this area at the highest level. Was their number one for some time. Again, I really, really, I wanted them at Chelsea for some time. I think he's a great goalkeeper. And I feel like if that's another commanding keeper in net, a guy, someone who you know can, can rely on week on, week out. I wouldn't look any further than Thomas Strakasha, especially because he's a number two at a team like Brentford, who, let's be honest, are, you could argue are on par with Leicester right now. And you think that Leicester would be, sorry, Brentford would be happy to sell because they find another backup keeper because they had David Raya. And Leicester would be lucky and happy to have a keeper like Sean Mc, Thomas Strakasha who would be no, able to play week in, week out. Strakasha to Brentford was a bit of a... He's strange. He was strange. Unless we knew David Ryan was going to be injured for the next six or seven months of his career again, then you do it. But that, that's not going to happen. Maybe even Zach Steffen, by the way. Zach Steffen could be great for Leicester, too. That's a good shout. That's crazy you say that. Because yeah. I was legit thinking, let me think of some second keepers from top clubs. Yep. And I thought of Steffen. I said, what if Steffen you know, tries to you know, get a top 
or a first uh, first choice uh, team. Move. Yeah. Even Gavin Bazunu now at Southampton is a former city keeper. He's now at Southampton yeah. doing well. Yeah. Same thing with Stefan. I think he's in the championship with Middlesbrough. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. So he definitely could make that move for sure. Then we have Alvin Lafont from Nantes. I think this is less likely, but it still is likely because Leicester have great links with league and teams. And that's why I think mm-hmm. another league and keeper would be fitting for them and would be of interest to the, the Leicester recruitment team. He's a great keeper. You know, one of the Touted, touted to be one of the best young French goalkeepers in the world, actually. He was very, very good at, you know, in his early stages of his career. Arguably the next Alphonse Areola or whatever you want to call him. Very, very talented and tall goalkeeper, full of athleticism. So it would be a very good signing. Final, final segment of the episode now. Thank you guys for reaching this far. If you have, I thoroughly appreciate it. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to talk about Leicester's last five results and uh, their next five fixtures. Kind of give some context behind that. Then give a rating as to how liked we are. How much we think Leicester can actually rescue themselves. Obviously, they're languishing at the bottom of the table. Will we be able to see Leicester City outside of that bottom three by the end of the season? Who knows? But let's see if they're able to find some, you know, some formula, some way to uh, escape from this, you know, pits of doom or hell, which is sitting at the bottom of the Premier League table, which is nowhere you'd expect them, nowhere near where you'd expect Leicester to be, given the level of investment, the level of talent they have amongst their squad. We'll see how well they can do in terms of kind of recover, recuperating and recovering from a deficit, you know, such uh, so early in, into the season. Now, on to the last five results. Leicester City's last five games. I mean, we'll start. We'll kind of start more recently and move backwards. So they lost more. more Look at me. I'm saying this. They lost against Brentford. Brentford, Bournemouth after being one nothing up at halftime, and just like always, the second half was their was their doom. It was ended up being their doom, and they lost two one. The second game, Julian, you can read it out. Uh, the one I guess is not good technically, right? Yes. Yeah, that was. Uh, it's funny because I was telling you at halftime. I said they're three nil up. Do you think they're gonna? Do you think they're gonna lose four three in the second half? And I think yeah. we both agree. Like, okay, they actually might get a win here. Yep, finally. But, um, and I keep a clean sheet, which which was crazy to see oh, Danny Ward. Danny Ward with a clean sheet, bro, injected in your veins, Leicester fans. <laughs> it's a big deal. Yeah, that was you know that was a decent result for them, obviously. But you know, clearly not against Forest, they're gonna be battling relegation this year. So true. Yeah. Then the next game is. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur versus Leicester City, the one where Son Liddy scored a hat-trick in what felt like three minutes, but it was more like 10 or 13. He's 6-2, Tottenham 6, Leicester City 2. Again, that's a, you know you have win-loss or loss-win-loss. Loss. No, English. Loss-win. That's correct. Loss-win-loss. Loss. I don't know. I'm trying to correct myself. That's true. And then they lost against Brighton 5-2, Grand Potter's last game at Brighton, where they got absolutely obliterated. Then they just blew Leicester out of the water. And the last game, of the last five results, was a lot, was a one nothing loss in a very, very shoddy and just overall dead game of football <laughs> against Manchester United, which finished one 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 nothing. Sorry for it, the Red Devils. Yeah. So overall, shows you the last five games they've only won one, and the game that they have won was against a team that is arguably guaranteed to get relegated. So is it really that impressive? No, not really. Because Nottingham Forest look doomed right now. So to win for nothing against them is not saying that much about the quality or this, you know, the upturn in form for Leicester. It's looking quite doom and gloom. And looking forward, Leicester play Crystal Palace literally tomorrow or today, as this episode's being recorded late at night. Then they play against Leeds United. Then they play against Wolves. They play at Leeds home, sorry, they play Wolves away. Then they play Manchester City at home. And then they play Everton away so if you look at those next five games i don't know about you but i say only maybe one of those is really winnable let's be real actually two of those could be potentially winnable 
Well, I, I the thing is, it's tricky because I actually think that if they want to turn their season around, they need to pretty much pick up points from every game except the City game. They're Dallas, not Wolves and Everton. They are not in theory. They should like and know, Leeds and Leeds at home. Yeah, I don't think they're gonna. I Wolves. personally, I think the only game they pick up points from is Wolves. Wolves for sure, mm-hmm. and I think Everton they might get they might make a, a point or two. I think Leeds beat them. Yeah, it's yeah Leeds Leeds. It's tricky, man, because once again, like Leicester, you know, they go into games almost as favorites a lot of times because they're supposed to not be as bad as they are. But if they lose their next five, then it's a huge problem. The City game is, you know, that's that's not important. But those are the games. The Leeds game, the Wolves game, the Everton game. Palace, they're going to be tricky. Maybe, maybe that's fine. But th- I think those three, Leeds, Everton, Wolves, are very important for Leicester. Extremely important before the World Cup. So we'll see. We'll see. I think, I think, maybe this is just optimistic. I think they're going to pick up points from... From Leeds, I think you're gonna pick up points from Everton, and I think we're gonna pick up points from Wolves. So, and uh, they're gonna lose against City, but that's it's normal. Yeah, I mean, everyone loses against City. That's not really a bad. That's not a big deal. Yeah, but uh, we'll see if that happens. I'm not as optimistic. I think Leicester are kind of screwed now. I think that their season might actually come to an abrupt end very, very quickly. Uh, we'll see if that happens. This whole episode has been fraudulence for me, to be honest. I've been speaking so optimistically, but I don't fully believe what I'm saying because I just I just see Lesser just coming out to capitulation. The fact you're still keeping a manager that's continuously losing the way he is. This, this reminds me of Bielsa with Leeds and how they just kept kept he kept him around even when they know they were getting worse. So kind of like you know just kind of sh- you know just accepting pain for the fact that it's still beautiful pain given who's in charge. But anyways. The last two things I'll say for this for this episode, it's been a long one. First of which is if Leicester lose James Madison in January, the season is done for them. I think the relegation truly could be on the cards if they lose Madison in January. It could be over. Uh, I genuinely believe that. And secondly, on my grading scale of how well Leicester can actually recover and bounce back at some point in time, whether that's in this season or in the future, I'm going to give their chances of rescuing themselves. I'm going to say maybe like a B minus, C plus. Oh, I thought we are doing letters. Okay, out of ten, more more specifically, I'd say out of ten, I'm giving them like a what, like a six, six point five, maybe. It's weird above average, but bro, I don't think it's likely. It's weird because I can say this would be like a lame answer, but I would say like five because it just knowing that's very lame. Either they do or they don't. Either they get twentieth or they get eighth. It's the, it's the True. same thing, but to be more. You know, to be less, or to, you know, cynical. Just, just, yeah, just a, a better kind of number. I'd say, I I think six is fair because I I'm honestly not too optimistic considering how down bad they are with with the money and how they're selling their best players and the club may be moving more towards a humble kind of um, standing where it's like okay, Approach, let's fix yeah. our finances. It's it's fine if we're in the championship. That kind of mentality will rise up again maybe in the future. But yeah. Um, it could be, especially now with kind of like the end of Vardy as he's as he's entering retirement. That could also be symbolic uh, for the fate of Leicester. But overall, I think uh, they have a lot of work to do. So I'm not completely uh, cynical, but uh, you know, it's not it's not looking great. It's there's not too much uh, there's not too much hope, but there is some hope. So that's all. Don't be all doom and gloom, Leicester fans. We're here for you. The hotline number will be in the uh, in the description of this episode. Um, I'm speaking quietly, so you know, kind of hate you a bit more softly than you know if I scream at you. But anyways, 
Thank you guys for listening. This has been the Stephen Talk Soccer Podcast. This has been a rescue mission, which we're bringing back. There will be this. Will, this will be the first of many. We are we are bringing back the rescue missions once and for all. We we, we will be rescuing many other teams across Europe's big leagues and just teams in general. Uh, what was I gonna say? Please, as always, make sure to download, to subscribe, to follow, to share, to leave a rating, to do Press all of those buttons. lovely things. Check out all the Julian stuff too. He, him and I might, do, might be shooting some content as well in the future, some TikTok content, you know, some footy challenges and stuff, the two of us. So keep your eyes and ears peeled. Thank you guys for listening as always. By the time this comes out, a lot of the games will, will have already been played. So I guess some, some context will be necessary, but a lot of what we're seeing still applies. So keep that in mind. But for now, I've been your host, Stephen the Don, joined by Julian. The pleasure as always, man. The, the rescuing mission legend himself. For now, deuces. We'll be back again soon. Hey, everyone. Are you enjoying the content? Please be sure to leave a rating and a review and to check out my other episodes. If you're looking for more Steven Talks Soccer content, you can find me at STS Pod on Instagram, at Steve Talks Footy on Twitter, and at Steven Talks Soccer on TikTok. Become a consistent starter in the STS squad.